0: Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. I am your host, Michael Dixon. Uh, very excited to be here this week to talk about one of my favorite fucked up old westerns. Uh, with me, as always, Ryan King. How's it going, Ryan?
1: Good. I have an important question, but I feel like we need to introduce the movie before I ask, because otherwise
2: <laughs> it's going to out of left
0: field. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you on that one. Uh, also, John Garcia is here. What's up, John? It's
2: good to be with you, Michael.
0: <laughs> wow you're doing an Pardon eastwood impression and you called me michael
2: that's right i'm going for the the, the two you know i got a job going
0: michael <laughs> uh
2: yeah i'm excited to talk about this fucked up shit you had us watch all, all right. right cool <laughs> okay, get okay.
0: It in. <laughs> uh john you're used to much fucked up much more fucked up shit than i was this. debating
2: going to see Marquis, that french movie where they have penis puppets that talk to people but uh mm-hmm. i watched this instead You ruined my fucked up night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You want it to be more fucked up than (laughs) 1973's High Plains Drifter, uh, starring and directed by the great Clint Eastwood. That is the movie we're going to discuss tonight. A drifter came riding out of the West. You know him as Clint Eastwood. The citizens of Largo didn't know him at all.
1: What did you say your name was again?
0: I didn't. Fear was in their greeting. Murder was in their minds. If we're talking about hiring a gunfighter. Yeah,
1: we don't know anything about that fellow uh, there. Well, who is he? Where's he coming from? You don't
0: want to get shot. You don't want your shops or your houses burned. You don't want your women touched. You don't want anything to happen,
2: except you're afraid to do anything about it.
0: Strangers got everybody in this town at each other's throats. One man against one town. Not bad odds. My well, time is town as a new sheriff. I'm the sheriff. And the mayor. The, the mayor. Any objections? Uh, we hadn't done a Western on this podcast, and I was kind of jonesing to watch a Western, so I decided to pick this movie. We have done an Eastwood movie before, also picked by me, Dirty Harry. Um, so yeah, really tapping into like college Dixon vibes with, uh, with these Eastwood picks. but, um, very interested to hear what you guys think about this movie. So I think like introducing this movie, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about very briefly the history of the Western in America. You know, you have like pre-World War II, the Western is a very straightforward genre about good and evil. And, you know, the, pioneering spirit of the white people in the West and the, you know, the evil savages and the good guys and the bad guys. And it's all very clear moral tales. After World War II, you have film noir coming in and influencing a lot of cinema, including the Western. And you have Westerns that start to be a little bit more ambiguous, start to have heroes who are a bit more complicated and flawed, like John Ford, uh, making the searchers and other films like that. Then you have, uh, you know, evolving or devolving perhaps from there into the spaghetti western with Sergio Leone and the clear anti-heroes and um you know characters who are not good but maybe still have some sort of moral co- moral code that they abide by and then you know Eastwood learned a lot from Leone in those movies and then uh he was like here hold my beer and he made High Plains Drifter um probably the most fucked up western that I've ever seen um This movie was written by Ernest Tidyman, who also wrote Shaft and The French Connection. Uh, So yeah, very accomplished novelist and screenwriter. Um, And Eastwood found the script and decided to make it. This is the second movie that he directed after Play Misty for Me, which Ryan talked about in a previous Recommend or Refute episode. Uh, But this was the first Western that he had directed. And you can really see the influence from Leone in this movie. You know, it is about... A, you know, lone gunman riding into town and fucking shit up in the style of A Fistful of Dollars and other uh, spaghetti westerns of that ilk. Um, High Plains Drifter is like there are no good guys at all. Like every single character is absolutely rotten to the core, completely selfish, doing things that are only benefiting their own self-interests to spite everyone else around them. Um, it is you know it's kind of a hard watch at times but it's also it also has its moments of comedy that are are pretty funny in parts and um i think it's pretty shocking that this movie can actually get you to root for Clint Eastwood's character despite all the terrible things that he's doing on screen um it's really almost like an old testament fable about like uh, communal evil and corruption and the ability of societies to commit Vast amounts of evil, or to ignore horrific evil acts that are happening in their community, um, a la slavery, the Holocaust, things like that, kind of distilled down into a small town community. Um, I think the story is is pretty fascinating. Uh, So I'm excited to dive into it. Um, From a filmmaking perspective, this thing is absolutely gorgeous. I I watched this on uh, 4K uh, from Kino Lorber, and it looked fucking incredible. Um, Just, you know, shot in this little desert town on the edge of a lake they built the city from the town from scratch to make the movie it looks really great the score is incredible it's almost like a cross between a spaghetti western score and like a horror movie score it's very eerie and it it really uh kind of sets the tone really well for this movie um so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about. It. We'll dive more into this, but I really like High Plains Drifter. Um, I will never forget the first time I saw it because it's so fucked up and I was not expecting what was about to happen and seeing the the things that the protagonist is doing in this movie and how evil they are are, are were kind of shocking to me at the time. Um, but uh, I think the movie is is pretty interesting because of that and the ideas that it is putting forward. So, um Ryan, I'll kick it to you and uh, see what you what you thought about this movie here.
1: My question is, what year did movies stop being rapey? <laughs> like, I want to know that line where 97? like stop being okay.
2: Uh, no, because because there, there's definitely
1: a. It just feels like if we go back a certain amount, there's just mm-hmm. like an uncomfortable scene, or and then I would like obviously they're really enjoying being
0: out from under the haze code at this point. They're doing whatever oh, yeah. they want yeah
1: yeah there there is an interesting way to look at this in eastwood's character being terrible right And that's kind of mm-hmm. like what makes this interesting is that he's sort of a terrible person and it gets it across sort of, sort of yeah fairly <laughs> quickly well i mean he's yeah all right he's, he's straight up terrible <laughs> there, well there's like a mild retribution revengey spirit angle thing yeah but, but uh, like it's not justified what he does <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> not fully not he doesn't meet violence with the same level of violence no. that it's brought to him he definitely takes it up a notch so, uh, um, john wick
0: he, you killed my dog now i'm going to murder 38 murder everyone yeah. mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> horribly um the second girl that he's with is where it gets that like 60s and 70s rapey kind of what we saw in rocky where it's like nah you really mm-hmm. want it force a yeah. kiss and then we're good yep. with it kind of feeling and i'm like i'm not sure when that stopped and I i like i agree my you know people would like to be like oh the you know modern era but i'm like nah early 2000s it still feels like they were very questionable things yeah and i'm yeah. not sure when someone was finally like yeah this is fucked up let's let's just stop being like that way, and maybe maybe it's not gone fully. I don't but. think it's
2: gone. I think that I heard rumblings of it when I was in orientation at UT. I remember I saw a play where somebody was uh reenacting that kind of act, and uh, the guy three rows next to me leaned over and was like, "She should have been giving it up anyway." And I was like, "Holy fuck!" Okay, like, why yeah. is this still there?
0: <laughs> That's very disturbing. But that was also quite a long time ago, John.
2: That don't you make <laughs> yeah, me <laughs> feel old yeah, <laughs> exactly. on this podcast where now. we're talking about a seventies movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Anyways. And it's definitely that like there's a time period I feel like this like 70s and earlier where it's just like that's the norm. Like anytime we go back and watch any movie this era or earlier, there's always one like really uncomfortableness about the men's and women's roles in these. Mm -hmm. But so High Plains Drifter is interesting. I it's. Middle of the pack Eastwood Western for me, he gets better as well, like I feel like his he he adapts in his Westerns from here even better. This is relatively derivative in the style of making it, where he just is like, all right, here's the Spaghetti Western people I've worked with before. Now I'm going to make my Spaghetti Western, um, but not really take necessarily new jumps in the style which spaghetti westerns just all fucking copy each other anyway so it's not like sure <laughs> or samurai movies or whatever right so it's <laughs> it's sort of like spaghetti westerns are kind of like whatever you're you're lucky when you get a like a leone that really is different mm. um he is a deplorable character which makes it uncomfortable to watch and you do just kind of come away with like a okay kind of feeling like i guess that's it um Darla watched with me and said it was a complete waste of two hours of her time. <laughs>
0: uh, no, it was a complete waste of an hour 45 of her time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, two hours, that's fair,
1: yeah. She did watch it all the way through, so there's also that, like, I was, there's always a certain amount of, she doesn't fall asleep or not care about it. This was Duh. enough where it's like, she was engaged, but she rightfully hated the character. This does fit that mold that if there isn't a character Darla can identify with, she really doesn't care for the movie and there really isn't yeah. anyone that you should identify no with i would be very concerned
0: movie. if there was someone in this movie that she <laughs> did identify with
1: right yeah there's nobody that you should so i think it's interesting to look at it from that angle of like what what exactly is going on what exactly is the revenge tale this is kind of like not a glorified revenge tale um which is an interesting take movie wasn't particularly popular as it came out either it took a bit to kind of grow to some level of following in eastwood's legacy um but yeah like we can dig more directly into it but uh john
2: yeah um so i did relate to one character in this movie and that's the barber because my hands always fucking shake when i'm trying to (laughs) shave like i'm just nervous that
0: guy's Uh, fucking awesome
2: (laughs) yeah he is um but yeah i i enjoyed this movie as fucked up as it was i have two lenses i look at it through that made it Way better for me and how I enjoyed it. One is I looked at Clint Eastwood like a vengeful fucking spirit um, who just descends on that town and everything fucked up he does, even though it's not justifiable. It's just one of those like supernatural things where hey, there's something out there that'll come and just fuck up your town if you if you're like a pool a cesspool of corruption. He's like Um, all
0: ten plagues in Exodus, exactly down on this town. He doesn't
2: need four horsemen; he's the one Uh who fucking just rides in. (laughs) And so, looking at it through that lens, I was like, "All right." There's something here, like, cause the, from the get go, I just was like, holy fuck, why is he just rolling into town, murdering people and like raping a woman and all this other shit. And then as like the kind of town crime started unfurl, I was like, oh, okay. Everybody here is awful. Got it. This is some weird punishment thing. Um, and then the other lens I looked at was, uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Trying to find himself, his voice as an artist and trying to create this separation between the man with no name from the spaghetti Westerns of Leone and what he wants to do. And I feel like this is a great way to sever that tie. I I, obviously I haven't seen things after that he's directed um, in the Western genre. So I don't know how far he takes it in any direction, but I feel like this is that thing where it's, he's saying to his audience, like you love me as this character. Now hate me as this character. I want to make it clear because I think about other actors who get typecast and Clint Eastwood is obviously one character who can be typecast into like any kind of gruff dude with that Clint Eastwood face. Like he can be anywhere <laughs> and he's just, you know, whether it's on the streets of San Francisco or it's in the wild West or uh, modern day, he on a front porch somewhere in Gran Torino, like he <laughs> is that character. Um, and to see him actively try to sabotage, uh, kind of his ego and put himself into like the lowest of the low sort of activities. I was like, okay, I, I can definitely dig this. Like while I don't get on board with a lot of the shit that's going on, it's really fucking uncomfortable to see it. I really did like it. And the score too. um, Yeah. It was something that I noticed it stood out. It wasn't the typical like spaghetti Western score. Mm -hmm. It had a much more experimental vibe, especially when things towards the end started to get chaotic it felt almost like you know it was like rock and roll sort of uh in in the guitar riffs and everything that was going on It was like yeah there's like wind chimes that come in at some point and like
0: and like these high-pitched strings woos, that are really yeah. creepy it's and, almost yeah. like a theremin
2: yeah it's it's so it feels so experimental and like he's playing with all these elements to see what kind of uh emotions he can evoke um And yeah, I really liked those parts. I watched it with Sasha. Uh, Sasha did not say it was a waste of an hour and 45 minutes. Hey, Um, I'll take it. Yeah, Sasha instead was like, well, that was fucked up. And uh, she was asking questions. We were kind of like talking a little bit back and forth during the movie's progression. We, of course, both rolled our eyes whenever characters made allusions to uh, our jokes about the rape that took place in the movie. We were both just like, Oh, fucking whatever mm-hmm. this is. Um, we even predicted the second time uh, we were like, Oh, she's going to sleep with him because he's too cool to resist or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, like those moments we rolled our eyes, the rest of it, we were kind of in awe of how fucking bold it was. Um, and we were both just completely bewildered by what the fuck the plan was to begin with for any of the movie him being like, I need 250 gallons of red paint, <laughs> like, all this other shit. Um, it was, it was f- like really funny. <laughs> towards yeah. the end. But yeah. Uh, so I, I dug it. I really did enjoy it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Ryan, to your point about, um, like this feeling like a derivative spaghetti Western, I think it, it does in a lot of ways, but I think the way that this like, innovates is by just taking it to like a way darker place than any spaghetti western had ever dared to go and like just really like painting the the frontier west as actually this horrible place full of evil people that are committing all these terrible things and like you know we we america you know back to the you know manifest destiny doctrine has thought about you know oh this wonderful uh ideal of colonizing the west and seizing this land that is rightfully ours given to us by jesus christ himself and and this like wonderful pioneering spirit of taking risks and going out and making something of yourself and all these things when these people are actually stealing land and raping and murdering and and doing all these things to like create chaos and hell uh, everywhere they go right and i i think the like the movie isn't d- directly talking about like native genocide, but it it's talking about you know how the West is not this place that should be glorified and thought of as this wonderful part of American history. Like it's actually super fucked up, and you know you think of a small Western town like that as this wonderful place, and that's how those people think of themselves, which I think is really fascinating. How. All of these characters especially the hotel owner like he thinks of himself as such a good upstanding person you know and the preacher and the mining company owner and everybody they think they're doing like just a wonderful service to everyone around them and you know if they have to commit some sins here and there to make that happen then like that's fine because they're in pursuit of the greater good and actually they're stealing minerals from the government and they're like you know murdering people and sending people to prison on fake charges and covering it up and doing all these things that they say are in the name of having this good prosperous town that is like a god fearing people and they're actually all terrible and they deserve horrible shit to happen to them and like eastwood's like angel of death coming through and and committing all these terrible things i I think it's just a fascinating reframing of the american western and how America has thought of the West and pioneering and colonialism, um, up you know through that point.
2: Yeah, it, it's a clearly a deconstruction of like the myth of the gunslinger. Because mm-hmm. yeah, to your point, spaghetti westerns they glorify a lot of the violence that happens in them, and you have even your antiheroes, um, even me thinking of like Django. Uh, <laughs> it just like walks through town and ends up shooting a bunch of guys, and sure he maybe like takes a woman by force, but they don't really linger. On those moments, Mm -hmm. they use those moments as like a caricature to be like, this is some cool shit, isn't it? And they usually have
0: the anti hero do one or two nice things. So you're like, like Eastwood in a fistful of dollars, he's like, he helps that woman and her kid like escape, you know, like, like there's usually one or two things where you can, like, okay, like he's not all bad. He's got some nice, he's got a nice heart deep down.
1: Yeah. In this, he doesn't outright do anything super nice, but he is like more ambivalent to the, native and mexican characters in the movie that everyone else shits on
0: yes he is
1: yeah like but not he doesn't necessarily save them and the fate of like he didn't care if they would get shot by
2: the well i I feel like Like, his
0: nice acts toward them is just punishment to everyone else like that's how it's it serves the story
2: there's a there's a balance well he didn't invite the mexicans to the fiesta ryan that's forget. true he yeah.
1: spared them he made them, them, the he made them build the, the tables and then didn't invite mm-hmm. them yeah yeah that yeah. right. sounds like that they, sounds they, about right for the they time been, <laughs> yeah, they didn't hear
2: later that well they got to take apart the fucking uh the dude's barn which i'm sure was yeah. kind of satisfying if uh, that guy was ever a dick yeah, or yeah, something to them oh you know that guy was a dick. <laughs> absolutely the hotel like, owner my god there's the no worst. way he wasn't yeah um but yeah, like there's those, I think about, uh, even the serials of, uh, like the fifties to the sixties with, um, you, you get this interesting transition. Cause I think that like the heavy, which is, you know, the term for the villains uh, of the week mm-hmm. in those shows, um, they roll into town and they're gruff and they're bad guys and they roll up to the bar and they take whiskey from whoever the fuck they want to. And they kill the innocent people of the towns. And it's up to like the white hat, uh, cowboy to come out and fucking shoot them. Um, but then you get that evolution into the spaghetti Western where those, uh, villains become kind of the antiheroes cause they've got a heart of gold just a little bit. And then you have this, which I think takes them to the next level where it really is pushing like, no, no, no. Like there were no good cowboys at all. It It is yeah. that deconstruction. And it is that like anybody in this is going to be terrible because the old West was fucking garbage. Um, like you just were forced to be greedy and try to scramble over resources and stuff. And so I, I think that is really fascinating, and that was one of the things when I was watching it where even though I was really put off by characters, like, there is nobody I can relate to or emotionally connect with, uh, there were moments where I glimpsed what it was doing technically for the rest of the genre. And that's why I can understand why audiences did not like it. Like, mainstream (laughs) audiences would probably not have been as hype on this movie
0: i didn't fail like it did well enough where eastwood kept making movies yeah you know? yeah right. it but, wasn't a total yeah. bomb
2: but i could see it definitely being one of those i think like, it's
1: like it against
2: major success. dirty harry
1: and mm-hmm. you know good the bad and the ugly like kind of mm-hmm. the bar that eastwood set um uh, to come to come in a little cooler
2: yeah i think yeah.
1: where i agree that this it's kind of that it's not necessarily as clear or as well done, I think in being that, that I can think of as like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And both of that and this are almost like college poster movies. I feel like there are a lot of people that watch <laughs> this and are just like, Oh, he's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in that movie, like they're cowards, they run away. They just are malicious, violent. And that's it. Those are the characters that we follow and then they die. And, everyone around them is honestly pretty horrible too, right? And it just paints a completely mm. like just horrible picture. Um, Where this one, I'm like, there's the hint of like, oh, he does a bit more to the really bad guys that, that are like, all right, you know, or, and he's back for some kind of revenge or some sort of force versus it just being like, and with Django, there is just sort of the, like everybody's fucked up yeah. feel too. Right. I think even like, the more modern stuff, like Bald of... What is it? Bald of Buster Scruggs? How is Ballad that called? Ballad, of, of, Buster Buster Ballad yeah. of Buster Scruggs. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That one's one where everyone's just terrible.
0: Sure, but that feels right? different. Like, that's a Coen Brothers movie. That's kind of its own thing, yeah. But
1: it is a play somewhat on Western tale. I think it's yes. especially the Buster Scruggs bit, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's this, like, sing-songy classic uh, Roy Rogers yeah you know, singing cowboy but then it's like he's deplorable and then he just dies like yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and maybe to fill in the gaps if you haven't seen high plains drifter you should watch it but like kind of what we're talking about here is you know eastwood comes into this town and within the first 10 minutes of the movie he's murdered three people and raped a woman and like he's just doing all this horrible shit And the townspeople approach him because he has killed the only three gunfighters in town who they have hired because they are worried about these three guys getting out of jail and coming into town to exact revenge and they need somebody to protect them. And it's implied that basically they have set up these three guys on some phony charges to go in jail to kind of take the rap for a murder that was basically committed by the community at large where they have have murdered a U.S. marshal who had basically caught on that the town was operating a mine on government property and basically stealing government minerals and, and profiting from them and the whole town has was in on the murder of this marshal they've thrown these three guys under the bus to go into jail the three guys are getting out of jail gonna come exact revenge on the town and they need protection so eastwood has killed those three gunfighters, and now they're like we'll give you anything you want if you just stay here and fight off these guys from us and he uses that to just fuck with everyone in a really fun way. Like this is where like the humor comes in to the movie where he's like, really, you'll give me everything I want. And he just starts going around town and like fucking with every business owner and taking a bunch of free shit from them. And, uh, like he, he makes Mordecai, the little person, the mayor and the sheriff of the town and everybody gets super pissed off. And it's just like, uh, he's like the ultimate troll for a a (laughs) big portion of this movie where he's just fucking with everybody in town and getting as much as he can out of them um and you know like it's it's just everybody in this movie is so fucking evil like you can't you can't get behind and root for anybody but it is fun to see eastwood just destroy these people's lives when like they are just evil to the core and it starts out with like good natured how i'm gonna fuck with you and get some free cowboy boots and then it turns into like just destroying the town in- entirely um but yeah um so that's kind of what we're getting at and like this is talking about this is super dark and, and where this is going with the genre and how it is kind of painting everybody in the west as as evil
2: yeah sasha called that moment when they go on the shopping spree the pretty woman moment of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was hilarious yeah <laughs> Um, it, it is interesting because when you're talking about like that, all the people in this movie are evil, uh, in your experience, when you're watching it, they are not presented as evil initially. Like they unravel into that. Right. And it becomes this interesting nuanced difference between vulnerable and cowardice where Mm -hmm. initially they're evil and cowardly at the same time exactly and and i mean that that's where like i think that there's a boundary line between when you're vulnerable and when you're a coward like because cowardice is actively like embracing your vulnerability and um like trying to not i don't know i don't want to get too philosophical about it but there is a clear difference here in like the way that western stories are told where a hero comes into town or an anti-hero And the town is full of people who are vulnerable no matter what. They're not cowards. Some of them may try to stand up to the bad guy. But, like, nobody in this movie will try to stand up to anybody. No. And that is just pure cowardice. Uh, And it's all brought about by, it's this facade that is masking around as, like, Honest vulnerability of like, we're just simple folk, like, we can't do these are good, God
0: fearing people. Yeah,
2: I love the way that that I didn't know they had a Canadian priest in that town, the way he said God all the time. Uh, Um, but yeah, like, and then there's those moments where they'll be kind of uh, tip of the hat, like, reveal things. Like, even when uh, there's a scene where uh, the man with no name, the fucking vengeful spirit with no name, the the stranger, uh, yeah, the stranger, um, he. He basically kicks everybody out of the hotel who's there, and the priest is, like, trying to appeal to him about it, oh, and he's like, so these good. are these are your brothers and sisters, huh? And I guess you won't mind if they shack up with you in your house. <laughs> and, like, the priest is like, all right, everybody, don't worry, we'll find your room and board and not a penny more than what you were paying at the hotel. Like, yep. that moment... It's just like, it's not free though. <laughs> you fucking pay your shit. Yeah. You stay with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's those little moments, those jabs that tell, uh, a tale beyond the rest of the movie. So
0: yeah, that line's I, great. There's also, um, there's a scene in the film where Eastwood is talking to the wife of the hotel keeper and she's like, you're dangerous and you make people afraid. And, and that's like, that, puts everybody in danger around you and he said uh he says people are only afraid because of what they know about themselves inside and it's like yeah these people are evil and cowardly and they're terrified that they're going to be exposed and he's coming in and calling them on their shit and it's freaking them out
1: yeah um he is the uh, true man with no name or stranger in this movie I, i like people always say the man with no name trilogy but he has names and those movies are completely unrelated.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They call (laughs) him like Blondie and and the good, the bad and the ugly. And yeah.
1: yeah. And like Joe and like, he has a name in each one, some sort of name. Um, You know, is it really his name? Whatever you could get into this one, he never says his name.
2: Yeah. yeah, and people try to get it, it out of him. He says dodges anything. that pretty expertly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 M- Mordecai, the little guy's like, yeah, I love it. that character is so funny to me. He just like sees Eastwood as like the new guy that's gonna be in charge, so he immediately tries to get on his good side. He's always offering him cigars and going to fetch shit for him, and uh, you know he like lights a cigar for him after he kills those three guys in the barbershop. And he's like, "What did you say your name was?" And Eastwood goes, "I didn't." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, one of the things I really like about this movie is the cast of characters in this town. Like, I think one of the things that Eastwood does really well as a director is that he he casts people with very distinct looks that can fit a specific role very well like the barber like i will never forget that guy's face you know he's just such a weird looking dude he has a horrible comb over which i think is hilarious at the town barber, barber yeah yeah, it's like <laughs> the worst haircut that i've ever seen um and there's so many characters in this movie that I'm like where do i know that person from i'd look him up on imdb and like oh it's from a different eastwood movie that guy's in outlaw Josie wales that guy's in every which way but loose and like he would cast a lot of these guys in different movies because they would create such a unique uh kind of vibe as as a character and get the exact type of weird person he was looking for in a in a bit role
1: yeah i do it's also interesting to note that his stunt double plays the murdered marshal
0: oh uh, i didn't realize that interesting
1: yeah which is an on-purpose decision to be right. like they vaguely look similar um to get that like okay how is he related to the marshal feel um and I think he's worked. He's had his, and he wanted to put his stunt man on camera. I guess right, like <laughs> give him a shot.
2: Yeah, and his stunt man did a good job being whipped to death. Whipped I think it was us. a yeah. pretty convincing whipping. I don't know how many other movies I can compare it to. Uh, that bet- just gets whipped in the streets for a really long time, like for a
0: long, a uh, long, long twice. time. twice. Yeah, that yeah. scene is is really well done too. Because like there are some shots of him where you're like, oh, that's Clint Eastwood, and other shots where you're like, no, I don't think it is, and it's like you're not necessarily sure whether it's him or not. And I, I think that that plays really well into the story where you're like, okay. And and when he first rides into town, everybody looks at him really weird. And you're like, do they recognize him? Like, mm-hmm. do they, it, is there something in the back of their heads? that's like, there's something familiar about this guy. Why don't I like this guy? This is making me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. It's introduced that first time we see that scene, he lays down to take a nap, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he we start to hear the weird music. We talked a little bit about that, but the really like trippy. Yes. Much more like a horror movie ghost kind of vibe music. And then it sort of flashes back to that whipping and then comes back to him and he wakes up. So there's that sort of like, why are we seeing that from his viewpoint? How is it related to him? Right. Did it really happen? Like it takes a bit to put that together.
2: And even before that, when he rides into town, he hears the whip crack on the freight. Yeah, and, and it makes him like, jump. It makes him jump. Yeah. So he's he's like, ah, um, yeah. All those little little breadcrumbs left in for you to kind of piece together what's going on. And that's, I think, another thing that I really like about this is other westerns are very grounded in that the heroes are the heroes. That there is not. I don't remember many other westerns um, from that time that have the kind of spirituality that this does, where there's like a almost a supernatural element yeah. to it. Like, um, there's usually, you know, Hey, it's the, it's the pioneers and the frontier and like, they're getting fucked up because things are hard back then. Not they're getting fucked up because there were vengeful ghosts here (laughs) or potential (laughs) vengeful spirits that are going to just like make you fucking eat it because you did something terrible. Um, and I, I like that twist on the genre as well.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times, like if there was spirituality in a Western, it was positive spirituality about you know christianity or whatever and or if if it was a dark western it would be the the lack of spirituality right like actually this religion isn't going to help you but with here like it's like no the the darkness is spirituality like it's coming back the other direction and like you guys are going to pay for the sins you've committed
1: yeah there's spirituality in el topo i don't know what it is (laughs) 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 that is true there is a spirituality there
2: (laughs) Um, yeah, I think about like some of the spaghetti Westerns, usually when you see a church in those, it's occupied by like the bad guys, or the bandits, or there's some kind mm-hmm. of organization that's using it because the priest has been run out of town or already killed, or there's some aspect of it that's just not present. So, um, yeah, this one, I I, I want to see more like this. I want to find more Westerns that have this. And I feel like it's not something that's done in modern time either. Like, I don't, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Eastwood made it?
0: a similar Western like I think 13 years later called Pale Rider that is also kind of a, a brings spirituality into it in a creepy way. It is not anywhere near as dark as High Plains Drifter, but it's also very good and, and worth watching for sure. If you want to like explore more into that vibe.
1: I, it's interesting because you, I think in the true old West, spirituality was pretty important, but even like ghost tales, ghost stories, especially because the West was an intermingling of so many different cultures. Yeah. Unlike what these movies often show of a bunch of white people. Yep. Um, it, <laughs> it actually <laughs> was a place where people of different backgrounds, male, female, you know, uh, local foreign could intermingle and get a job or get land or what have you. Um, there also were then that blending of cultures and these ghost stories that certainly were around of like ghost trains and ghost, you know, cowboy coming back and the, the myths of like, oh, is Jesse James really dead? Or, you know, is he, is this his burial? Is that his Right. There were always those, but you're right. You don't really see that represented in the Westerns.
2: People like to ground it. They like to ground it and they like the grit. Um, of, of how realistic it was. Yeah. You shoot a man in the gut and he dies. He never comes back. And if he does come back, then it's like melodrama and there's like a, you're supposed to be dead. And like, Mm -hmm. he's some ghostly bullshit or they'll do like a Blumhouse thing. And it's just awful with like a bunch of thriller stings in it and shit and uh yeah it's it's disappointing i want to see more well and
1: there's no mystery this. to us as the audience like we absolutely. know absolutely yeah. we know he of, like... crawled under the building and then put the plate <laughs> of armor on and <laughs> like exactly. we saw all of it
2: yeah yeah there's there's none of that um i i want to do you mind if i just real quick hey, go for it all right um was thinking about Paul Schrader. Okay. <laughs> I, I uh, really, John, I don't mind if you bring I, I, up Paul Schrader. I'm know, never going to mind. I know you're not <laughs> going to mind, but I, I didn't know how, how like off the rails in the old 1800s we could get, but I was just like, Paul Schrader ever done a Western? I would love to see something by Paul Schrader that does this too. Cause I know Paul Schrader's whole style is yeah. a man in a room wearing a mask. And when that mask is a gunfighter's mask, I would love to see something Schrader could do for like an old West town. Um, But yeah, so like this, I don't know, this movie, it's just that effect, like me thinking about Schrader and what he could do with it. This is like something that I haven't seen Clint Eastwood do before Mm. and a piece of Western genre that I haven't seen. And it inspires me. It makes me like really curious what else you can do beyond just the plain deconstruction of, of the myth or a postmodern interpretation of like the West what are these other aspects that you can play with? Like what are things out there? Um, So I think it kind of speaks to how different this movie felt for me when I was watching it, it just because of that jarring aspect and how dark it is.
0: Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And, and I think maybe why a lot of Westerns don't go this way with dark spirituality and things like that is because it's just so it's such a good setting to, tell a horrific story through just the, uh, uncaring, horrific nature of, of nature itself. Right. And like, you know, you see a lot of times in dark Westerns, just people breaking down because of the harsh conditions around them and their inability to deal with those things. And that, that lack of God and the force of the wilderness around them is kind of what drives the darkness of, uh, Westerns that want to go in that direction for the most part. And I think those are really interesting concepts that you can make a really fucking good movie out of and and it's kind of it's already there it built into the setting so maybe that's why you know not a lot of westerns have explored you know the kind of dark spirituality as much
2: it's just easier to pull from fact than from fiction in a sense
0: yeah and like especially if you're shooting on location it's all right there right like you can just use what you have as the uh you know malevolent force in the film
2: yeah i i am curious in terms of So talking a little bit more down along that line, like I would love to brainstorm with y'all. There were some ideas I had when I was watching this movie where I was like, oh, I don't even know how it's going to fucking end. Like just (laughs) the amount of, of like insane choices that are hard to discern what the stranger is trying to do. And it got so dark at one point that I was like, the stranger is going to just be shot and killed. Like I thought it was going to go that hard into how kind of uh, brutal it was with all of the characters. I was like, all right, he's going to come in. And he's going to kill everybody or get the whole town killed in some fucking way. And then he's going to turn around and get shot. Like it's the last undercut because he's been a great shot up until then. He fucking absolutely nails every headshot he ever goes for. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was like, is he going to decide to let himself be killed as like the final note? Because he knows, like I thought maybe the bad guys, the the brothers, and I can't say the bad guys because everybody in this fucking movie is the bad guys. Yeah. The three like, guys
0: that broke out of, or that the, have been released from prison that are coming to enact the boys who are welcomed home. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: The boys who are back in town as yeah. the song goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I just thought at some point he would like let one of them shoot him fatally because he would have shot them and they would bleed out and have the most gruesome fucking death in the middle of the West. <laughs> and it would be that kind of like depressing ending but then it didn't he just kind of rides off and the town is in shambles and like it's way more of like i wouldn't say it's a smack on the wrist it's like uh you know something way more severe than that like chopping off the wrist but the town has definitely learned something um or at least been punished and uh he left and so i was like what are like the other ways that a, a western could go what are things that like to build upon this, like my Paul Schrader imagination and all of that, what are things that y'all would look like uh, would look for in a western? What are things you would want to see if there's another one made soon? Um,
0: that's that's a very big if. <laughs> that is a very yeah. big if.
2: <laughs>
1: it's interesting that it, it's a genre that has really lost its popularity. Every once in a while, something pops up, and even I would say something like Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Has, I haven't
2: seen that yet, but I've heard.
1: Yeah. A little so bit of the fun. elements, not the like anti-hero revengey stuff, but some of the it's not a, cl- a classic Western and mm-hmm. it does play more with the horror genre. But the, the things that are most like Westerns now would be like No Country for Old Men.
0: Right. right? Which isn't and, really a Western, plays, but yeah, but it kind of
1: uses the beats of a Western and some of the like filming aspects of it. And it is that. Tale of kind of an unstoppable violence and a a place that's like you know filled more and more with violence and crime, and it explores that without it being like a guy on a horseback. And I think it's just the like disillusionment or what? What do you? What would you disillusionment? Is that yeah, a disillusionment? Word? <laughs> yes, that <is> um, <laughs> with the the concept of the American West and the fact that it's only American West is only really anymore a fascination for Americans. It's lost its appeal in Europe, even so kind of like, why would I necessarily make a Western movie when I know my audience isn't really going to watch that, but I can just take all the same beats and do something else with it.
2: That's why they started making like cowboys and aliens, Ryan because so, yeah, there was a Magnificent Seven
0: remake with Chris Pratt that was really bad. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, the yeah you're just into the complete satire. That was also <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think like the the Western basically evolved into the crime movie, right? Like it turned into the gangster movie, the cop movie, those kind of things. Yeah. Um right. and we don't yeah, we don't have as many movies set in the rural west anymore. Um, but I I love westerns and I love returning to them, and so you know every couple years I go on a western kick and like watch a bunch of old westerns because they don't really make new ones that much anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, John, to your question about like what are other other ways that you know this movie could have gone? Um, I don't, I don't, I think most people in the movie actually didn't learn a lesson, right? Like, I think the the woman who moves away learned a lesson.
2: Get the fuck out of that town, and
0: that was about it, right? Um, and I, I think that the ending to me, I thought worked really well because it was just like, he's fucking up with, he's fucking them up and like not killing them all, but like destroying their livelihoods and like shattering the dreams that they had in going West and creating this town. And I think that is probably the worst thing that he could have done to them. Like them kind of being stuck there without a way to like rebuild and, 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 you know achieve the dreams that they wanted and just kind of leaving them to just sit with it and see if they could actually learn a lesson and maybe change their lives from there. Um so I thought the ending worked really well. Um I don't know where else like I I feel like that is how I would have that's like the, I think that's maybe the best outcome. I don't I don't know that I would have, you know, had a lot of notes on ways that they could have done it differently.
2: Oh yeah, no. I mean, my question was less about like how could it have ended better because it ended Better than I expected it too. I thought it was yeah. going to end very fucking dark. Uh, my question was did more like, yeah. <laughs> Chinese, my my, yeah. my question was way more like, um, what do you look for now in like a western genre? If there was something to come around the corner, what would you be anticipating? Which like to Ryan's point is there's an evolution and there's less yeah. of those genres now. Yeah. Um, but like there's only so much you can do with a small town. Like, what is it that comes between that? Like, yeah. I don't know how many. I, I think about um. To take it a little bit into the, the the video game territory, I think about the Red Dead Redemption uh, games, which came out that are all like um, sort of picking apart the same kind of deconstruction of the myth. There's some characters in those games where like you get involved in like the Mexican Revolution and they have, you know, a, uh, a sort of a figurehead for the Mexican Revolution that's running against the Mexican government. And when you're trying to help him, everybody tells you he's like the greatest guy ever. And when you meet him, he's a drunk womanizer and he's a piece of shit. And like there's those bits (laughs) that it plays with where it's like he's a buffoon and he's leading like an army against the Mexican government, which is also a bunch of authoritarian bullshit like uh, autocrats. And so like that stuff that I don't know if I've seen because it's been caricatured in a lot of Spaghetti Westerns and it's not dealt with as much. In terms of uh, the Western movies, I've seen that like uh, Mexican American relations.
0: Um, yeah, that would be interesting to see more of, um, you know, to the extent we have movies about that, it's like glorifying the Alamo and super shit like that, yeah. that. Like, you know, it would be interesting to have a, a movie that was looking more clear eyed at American Mexican or Mexican or, or Texan Mexican relations and um, kind of painting that in a darker more accurate picture would be pretty interesting i yeah. think um django unchained too is a good example of a modern western that is not is actually not actually a western it takes place in the east but it is it's like you know it is of the western genre and it's taking that idea and moving it to a different location and having this like revenge fantasy dealing with america's sinful past in a way that westerns hadn't really dealt with before
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely i
1: think what If I really wanted to see a deconstruction that hasn't been done with the Westerns, I do feel like you still continue to have every once in a while a Western here or there where it's kind of like everybody's deplorable, everything's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the core appeal of Westerns is the core appeal of Americanism, what I feel like it reinforces, which is being an individual and like taking what you mm. want, you know, what you do is more important even these, like, fantasies of the the good guy coming into town and cleaning up, he's an individual that comes in and is just badass and does everything, mm-hmm. right? And he usually has these ideals, this sort of American picket fence, unrealistic ideals that we supposedly <laughs> have, right? And then somehow everything is, you know, better. He's the new marshal and he fixes everything and gets everybody on the right path. But, like, a deconstruction of the West as this, like, actual free area and independent area where you, you know, the, the, the individual gets better than they had before. If it's kind of like more showing, like everyone comes away worse, you know, everyone learns worse habits, like, and the, any individualism that anyone has just harms everybody. And you can actually see that impact of like, as soon as somebody does something, it just ruins other people's station and then that inevitable like chipping away this movie Mm. doesn't quite get to that there's some hints of like he sows some dis discontent among them and there's you know some bickering but it never gets to the point of like they don't trust each other it you know sort of the bonds of society break down quite
2: yeah he Um, turns them against each other but they still corroborate and like collaborate together to try to just now against him him. yeah
0: (laughs) yeah Lesser, it is interesting, uh, though, that High Plains Drifter is more about the a community than it is about the individual. So mm-hmm. it is kind of
1: it does hit a little,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's looking at things a little bit differently there. Um, but he's still a badass that can, you know, he can shoot people immediately, his gun. sure. Yeah. But he is exposing it, the community as a as a whole, right? And like the moral right. tale is about the failings of the community, not about the individual and and any one of their like, decisions in that process, right? It's, like, just as much about the people that sat there and watched as as it is about the people who murdered that marshal. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and maybe another one, and maybe this exists, but I just haven't seen it, but it it feels like this should exist at some point. Like, a movie from the Native American perspective about, like, Western colonization would be pretty fascinating to see, like, just, like, straight-up painting white colonizers as evil and just having the movie from the perspective of a native american tribe as people are moving in and taking their shit would be pretty fascinating to see
2: yeah not pocahontas not pocahontas though not that i
0: haven't seen uh the terrence malick version um so maybe that maybe oh, yeah, that's yeah, good yeah. um maybe. but yeah i mean the you know the disney pocahontas no <laughs> definitely
2: definitely not
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i would hope It feels like we're on the cusp of a little bit of a movement there with Reservation Dogs Mm -hmm. and Prey, right? Both of them Mm -hmm. actually having Native people, Native language, building those uh, movie TV shows and the fact that we have Children of the Flower Moon coming up. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. Hopefully, like, a little bit of recognition there raises the public's interest of, like, okay, what... What was it really like? What did really happen? Like, let's actually, I, this is me imagining that that Americans are going to truly give a crap about these problems. It's been thousands of years and we haven't. (laughs) So what, what, you know, but it would be nice if there was a little bit of that, like following of like, okay, now we have these tales. Let's hear some more. Less Yellowstone and Yellowstone side tangent Uh things that don't get it at all.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, the amount of times I've been told to watch Yellowstone. Oh, so many times by very want. old people. Yep. yep, and I just yeah. don't. I have no <laughs> desire.
0: <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit more about the end of the movie. We kind of hinted at it, but I, I think the end of this movie is so uh, it's so good, and it's so visually striking. Like the, This movie is beautiful, and it, it really shows Eastwood's developing eye as a director, and it's very much taking visual cues from Sergio Leone films, but it just looks absolutely gorgeous um every scene is framed really well and it's just it's really well shot the you know getting toward the end of the movie he keeps taking things from the town and he's like you know we need a bunch of picnic tables and we need an entire roast cow and 200 gallons of red paint and he will never explain to anyone what it's for he just like this is what we need and then finally like on the last day he is going out to track down the three guys that have have gotten out of jail. And he just leaves the town with the 200 gallons of paint. And they're like, you want us to paint everything? And he's like, yep. And the pastor's like, surely you don't mean the church. And Eastwood's like, I mean, especially the church, <laughs> which is just a great, a great line. And, and again, kind of like on the nose about the the moralism of, of this movie. But, you know, he goes out and deals with those guys, fucks with them for a bit, gets them mad, then comes back into town and the entire town is painted blood red, every single building. And it's just an incredible visual. And you see when he rides into town at the beginning of the movie, this gorgeous landscape with this picturesque little town on the edge of this lake. And then he rides back in again and it's just Co- painted completely red every, everything in the town and it looks it, like it just pops off the screen it looks great and uh, it's just uh, a really cool idea i think in in, in a movie and you know then he uh you know the bad guys come in eastwood just leaves and just lets them wreck havoc and fuck with everybody in the town start shooting people and killing people he makes them paint a big banner that says welcome home boys which is so (laughs) funny to me like it's just he's fucking with them in every way he can like he's damaging their pride more than anything else right and um I, i i think the the way that all unravels like the kind of a final prank of the movies is, is just so good yeah they did
1: a really good job painting like, yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like well, that they got into was... the detail and everything They were uh, lazy the one, one
2: moment in the movie where sasha was like bullshit there's no way all those townsfolk could paint that shit so good <laughs> i was like hey you never know
0: i think too it shows how cowardly these people are because like a- anything he asks, yeah. like paint the entire town red every single fucking building this morning i'll be back and they do it to a very like good degree, and I think one of the buildings like the top wasn't painted. I was like, "Oh, that must be where that was the two hundredth gallon I stop yeah and ran out <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it just shows and you see these people just caving to him more and more as the movie goes on, just having an inability to stand up for themselves, even if they hate doing it, they still do it right, and they may throw a fit and and make a scene about it, but they still cave and give him everything he wants and you know, it just shows that these people have no courage, no morality whatsoever to deal with their own sins that they've committed to even try to, like, just stand up against these guys that they have wronged. They won't even take on they won't even fight their own battles. Right. They have to have somebody else do it for them. And they just want to sit back and act like they're these wonderful moral people. What? get Guns? Well, we couldn't shoot anybody. That would be mean. You right. know, like, um it's just I, I think it just it plays into the characterization of these people really well
1: yeah I, would talk about the setting for a second we mentioned it earlier and then kind of mentioning the the view of the lake um eastwood found this location it's in california it's a large like beautiful lake kind of out of the way mm-hmm. uh and they straight up built the town and these are not you know sort of a traditional facades and then we film interior somewhere else or do it you know no it's all shot all of on it location done a lot.
0: You can tell because they all have all the buildings have windows and you can see out to the landscape very clearly.
1: Yep. And they, yeah, there's several, like they walk in a building and you can tell it's the building, right? That they just made the buildings and the sets and everything.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then
1: they legit paint them red. Yeah. But, you know, (laughs) for it
0: and uh, blow them up. Slowly destroy some of these buildings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I appreciate that to give the town a, a realistic feel. Like it just does work in the perspective and the sort of reality of this you know tiny little town that i think sometimes the other western i know a lot of the westerns use these ranches that are out here around me that are all facades (laughs) yeah yeah exactly spawn ranch is not that far and there's just these facades you know that they get a couple shots down the middle of the street but then we don't zoom out (laughs) <laughs> to show this huge lake in the distance because it'll immediately ruin the illusion right. Um, but here we get some broad landscape shots that are really pretty and the lake this lake is you know it's it's actually such it's a, a decent lake. sized lake you yeah. just don't really see the end of the lake that they're next to i have no idea where that mine is that's one minor complaint like
0: yeah they say they're a mining town you're like where's where's the mine but where yeah. and how does this how does it work yep What are they mining? I would think that with all
2: that dynamite, you know, the stranger would just blow up that fucking mine too. Just because why not? Yeah.
0: Just just
1: to cap it off. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah. Um, yeah, I heard the studio wanted for it to be on a set. They were like, Hey, we should build this. Yeah. We just insisted.
0: He's like, like, no, we're doing this on location. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which really paid off. Like this movie would not have the, the weight that it does. I think if it were shot on a set somewhere.
1: And un, unsurprisingly, Play Misty for Me, he's shot in Carmel by the Sea. So he's, he definitely is a, I want to go on a location. Like uh-huh. he's not yep. interested in, in you know, filming in lots, which a lot of like Dirty Harry, that is San Francisco. So much of that is shot in San Francisco. The Spaghetti Westerns are shot on locations. There's, sh- you know, shitty locations they get, but they're yeah. locations. They're, you know, they're out there. Um, And, you know, when you look back at the, like, John Ford Westerns.
0: Monument Valley and, yeah.
1: Yeah, they have this big feel to them because they're on those locations. The TV shows like Rawhide, where Eastwood comes from, Mm -hmm. have this just small scope, right? And I think he wanted that more realistic Wild West where there's no one else out there but them yeah, yeah um,
0: also the bartender was the cook from rawhide i was like who is that oh shit yeah. <laughs> that's like, <yeah. laughs>
1: that is one thing i love about westerns is is how many they're just people who are just western
0: actors uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's they all they do westerns yeah. love it
1: yeah uh one of the things i appreciate of, of back to the future three better than back to the future two i'm a back to the future three <laughs> apologist yeah. um that they pull in legit old western actors into their western setting um just appreciate that gotta, yeah
0: gotta give
2: it
1: up
0: um the last thing that i had on my list to talk about was uh john wayne's reaction to high plane strip. yeah i saw that
2: <laughs> the hell is all this crap pilgrim <laughs>
0: <laughs> so eastwood really wanted to work with john wayne and he had a script that uh was called the Hostels" that was about like a young cowboy who had like one half of an older rich cowboys ranch in like a poker game or something. And they had to like, you know, they didn't like each other, but they had to learn to get along to like fight off some enemies or something. And Wayne said no to the script. He sent him a second version and Wayne like a, like a reworked script sent it to him again. Well, how about this? And Wayne wrote, a sternly worded letter back to Clint Eastwood saying that he hated High Plains Drifter and that he would never work with the guy and that High Plains Drifter does not reflect the pioneering spirit of the American <laughs> West. <laughs> and Eastwood was like, I, it was a fucking fable. like a, It was a Bible story, basically. Like this wasn't like, you know, trying to talk about like, you know, the uh, actual pioneering or anything like it was, just, and it, he sort of was like, you know, was, I realized he was from a different generation and we were just never going to understand each other.
2: <laughs> sorry that I hurt dear John Wayne. I'm sorry. I hurt your fragile masculinity <laughs> with my fucking movie. <laughs> and
0: then he sent him a third version of the script for, for hostels after receiving that letter and Wayne threw it in the sea. Wow. He did he film it.
2: himself doing? it? <laughs> Is he that like Job did, hurling then, a letter yeah. into
0: the sea? Yeah. yeah.
2: Did he burn his Nikes after? <laughs> Who knows what John Wayne did?
0: They finally did meet in person because Don Siegel made the shootest, which was Wayne's final film, and uh, you know, but right before he died from like nuclear fallout uh, because of that, that Genghis Khan movie that they oh, shot at like a nuclear test site. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the whole. Bunch of things wrong with that, but... um,
2: It did not do well by the Genghis Khan spirit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, like, because Siegel was shooting the movie, he invited Eastwood to the set, and Wayne would only agree to meet with them... Because he asked about Eastwood's politics and he learned that Eastwood was also conservative. So then it was okay. So they could that, act. He would agree to meet the man.
2: That is the most John Wayne fucking thing I've ever heard. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, just incredible shit. And it's kind of amazing that like Eastwood has kind of assumed that like role in American society at this point, like nowhere to the degree that like Wayne was like naming commies to the McCarthy and shit, like horrible things. Like, you know, he was a much crazier than than Eastwood's politics. But, you know, now Eastwood is the old Western actor who doesn't understand modern generations and talks to empty chairs at RNC rallies and, and things like that. And then weirdly, accidentally makes liberal movies. I always find that
1: strange. Right. He has several yeah. movies that, that don't fit.
0: I mean, High Plains Drifter is, is like very critical of American exceptionalism and westward expansion and pioneering and, and all these things where, you know, like you would not think that is reflective of what he believes. And maybe that's not what he was intending with the movie. Like he said, like, this was basically a fable. I wasn't meaning to, you know, say things about the western spirit or whatever and so maybe that's just coming out of the movie as things that you know he wasn't intending but they're definitely there
2: i mean that's the thing with art though that's why like king right. kong is not just the story about a fucking giant ape that gets brought to america and chains mm-hmm. there's like a racist component to it and there's a, a real undertone yep to what's being talked about and uh it's one of those things where like the art that you think you're making is not the art that you're actually putting out. It's nope. the, the the full public perspective is going to reveal exactly what you're fucking uh, trying to say, whether you know that you're saying it or not. Um, but yeah, like it, it is it is ironic that uh, it's not ironic. Clint Eastwood is conservative to begin with, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, this is the natural progression, I guess he'll carry the torch. Maybe he'll get an airport named after him too. (laughs) Uh, Who who fucking knows? Um, But yeah, that's, that's one of the things is like, I just can't stand John Wayne anymore. I was actually talking to somebody from Brazil about John Wayne recently and they had no idea who he was Oh wow! or like what his movies were about and i was like oh his movies are all bullshit man like <laughs> john wayne don't get me wrong some of them are great um but like john wayne in general he
0: has been in some very good movies really and he's fucking... been very good in some very good movies yeah but uh yeah he's a terrible person the
1: undertones <laughs> of john
2: wayne they're
1: always mm-hmm. i was thinking it was interesting i w- i wanted to look back and see what wayne had to say about the searchers. And I know yeah. there was a making of then, too, because I'm like, he plays a deplorable person. He does. And that is a movie that kind of paints everybody as pretty awful. Uh, that Then he would be like, oh, no, I don't like this movie that doesn't glorify Westerns. Or I'm like, oh, Searchers this. does not. Like, that's yeah. kind of no. the end of the Westerns.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I may be bringing this up later in a in a recommend or refute episode, but... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna put a pin in that conversation. We okay, circle right. back. <laughs> There's
2: the teaser.
0: <laughs> uh, I just said circle back. I apologize profusely. <laughs> Corporate seal. I know. My God. Uh, um. Yeah. So. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about with with this movie? Um. I. I feel like it's just so. It's so fascinating to me because it is so dark and fucked up and so different than any western that i've seen and, and yes there are pieces here that are ripped straight from leone and spaghetti westerns but I, but i think what it does and where it goes is just so so fascinating
2: yeah i don't have anything uh, other than i think we should get to the recommending part yeah i, I left off <laughs> yeah. the refuting part but uh <laughs>
1: ryan anything else you want to add no um yeah i think yeah for, for like recommending i'll talk about it where it falls in eastwood like films for me yeah. get, get into it um, where
0: where where does this fall for you
1: yeah I'm, I'm this is this is a recommend i feel like it needs a little bit of you need to have kind of seen some westerns to get a feel for it um if this is like your first western you're kind of like all right well this was weird i'm not watching any more westerns if this <laughs> is what they're like um and, and i think this one to me it falls a little middle of the pack because i think that by the time he gets to unforgiven like unforgiven is just so good like all Mm -hmm. together and gets some of the 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 points of this like there isn't the like ghost element of it or whatever but there is kind of the like everybody's a little terrible or a lot terrible um in there and then obviously like uh good the bad and the ugly is just also excellent you know peak Mm -hmm. peak western peak spaghetti western. Um, and I would even say like as a director, I think then he moves from this. I don't know if it's his next Western, but when he gets to Outlaw Josie Wales, I think that's, yeah, I think that's even kind of better in this, this time period of, Mm -hmm. of Western. So this one's kind of like, well, he's got a little bit better kind of that he's done in each of these other categories that, that that's where this one kind of falls to that. Like next up in your, in your Eastwood research, I guess
2: yeah
0: interesting Uh, john what are what are your thoughts here recommend?
2: Oh uh, yeah. I'm absolutely <laughs> a recommend. I would say, yeah, to Ryan's point, I don't know that this is the first Western you should rush into. <laughs> um I, I think that that it requires an understanding of where Westerns came from, at least seeing like one or two Westerns before and being like, you know, coming into it, I had the exact same approach that I think most people would and should, which is Clint Eastwood in a Western oh God, he's going to be a badass that can't miss a shot. And he does all this good shit for everybody. <laughs> but he's everybody. so good and at doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly the point. Like you come into it. And to my point earlier about him making this something that maybe distances him from that typecast of the Spaghetti Western, like that for the fans. But here's what I really want you to, I want you to hate me after you loved me. Um, This is what that movie is. Uh, it's, I would say like maybe the third Western you should watch if you were going to try to like do a marathon, do like a classic, then a a postmodern, then do actually this. And it would (laughs) fuck your shit up in a great way and make you think down
0: into literal hell. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh. Um, and I, I think that that's like my recommendation for it. I recommend it no matter what, I'm sure if I recommended it to somebody who went in blind, they'd be like, what the fuck? But also it's not an experience you're going to find anywhere else. And I really hope that there would be more in this line of kind of spiritual v- spiritual revenge on the frontier. Uh, I, I would definitely look forward to that. Um, and Paul Schrader, if you're listening to this, which if you were, <laughs> I would be so flattered. Please, write something in the West. Paul Schrader,
0: we'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast. Yeah, Paul Schrader, (laughs)
2: we will fly you out, okay? (laughs) Spare no expense, except for a hotel. We will put you up in one of our places. Anything (laughs) you want, Paul.
1: Anything.
2: Uh,
0: (laughs) We will not charge one cent more than hotel rates. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: But yeah, I would would recommend this. Um, Dixon, I already know what you can say. Yeah, uh,
0: I love this movie. I would definitely... Recommend it. Um, as far as where this falls in Eastwood's westerns, I I think like there's movies that he has acted in and movies that he has directed, right? And like, um, you know, I like the only the Le- Leone westerns are like the best westerns that have ever been made, in my opinion. And like, I, I don't think this is as good as those. Um, but this might be my favorite of his directed westerns. Actually, I think like I love Outlaw Josie Wales. I like Unforgiven. I'm not as high on it as a lot of people are. Um, but I think like just the boldness of this movie and where it goes and what it says about American society is so fascinating to me. Um, and it's so beautifully made and and I I think it's, it's pretty damn great. Um, I also really like two meals for sister Sarah, as far as like an American Western that he's acted in. Shirley MacLaine is great in that, and that, that one's a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, High Plains Drifter is really good. Um, I would definitely recommend it. I think like, you know, I will recommend it with some caveats. Like there is one straight up like rape scene in this movie that like doesn't shy away from it. And then and there's another like very rapey scene in this movie where like, you know, he is uh convincing a woman to have sex with him when she clearly is not interested. And and it's it's like there are things that like are uncomfortable. And if you don't want to watch that, I totally understand. Um I think the move I don't think the movie is like um saying that that kind of behavior is okay the movie is using eastwood's like chaos and violence as you know biblical punishment upon this town and it is um you know that's one of the forms of the punishment to this town that occurs um you know so i think it's like that's the way to look at it i think but again I understand if you don't want to watch this movie if it has stuff like that in it. So
2: yeah, I felt bad because I was so I'm so desensitized now that I was like I've seen worse. (laughs) It's just it was a sad more the person I used to be. (laughs) Yeah. too many
1: giallos and West, yep, Westerns. There are just too many just other cool exploitation
2: movies. films for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> the movie is dark and heavy, but there also is quite a bit of comedy in it and some light moments and the, um, kind of the joy with which Eastwood fucks with the town is very fun. I think so. It's not, it's not like you're just in for an hour 45 of this is super dark and fucked up. Like Get there your are,
2: Schadenfreude hats on. <laughs> yeah, there are
0: lots of light, fun moments in the movie as well. So Nice. Cool. Well, we've got a round of recommends for High Plains Drifter. So um, yeah, go out, go out and watch it. Uh, it's available to stream on whatever the tech monopoly you, you prefer or buy the 4K Blu-ray from Kino Lober. It looks fucking great. Um, I have been your host, Michael Dixon, with me as always
1: ryan king i've been trying to paint my bathroom and bedroom and i'm so many coats in that i don't buy <laughs> i <about> need <laughs> the people from this town to come paint my stuff in an afternoon and how just many gallons done with it. have you best... used in your bathroom 200 it, <laughs> it takes like yeah for like one like for one room it takes like two gallons of just the
0: Undercoat, like just the primer before I even get <laughs> yeah. to the color. Oh, they color. didn't use primer. they didn't use primer. Perfect, it looks great You can see shit. like the signs of like it would say like blacksmith coming through the red paint. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. funny. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh uh and uh john garcia i'm glad that we could be talking about the best westerns and not the hotels the best western on this (laughs) podcast we're not sponsored by the best western and we never will be because it's a fucking terrible place much like the frontier
0: (laughs) uh this corporate rant brought to you by john garcia not sponsored by the after podcast (laughs)
2: Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.